Good morning. It's great to be able to share God's word with you once again. I trust that you are well and that you are living in the blessings of God. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking into the importance of leading ourselves and how important it is to have a good relationship with the Lord so that we can overcome and finish strong. So this week I want to look at what destroys our relationship with Father God. And there are many things, but I'd like to focus on one specific area where I believe that most of us as Christians battling, and that is in the area of forgiveness. Forgiveness is important. The word forgive is used 58 times in the New Testament alone. From this we can gather that forgiveness is obviously important to the Lord, and so it should be important to us as well. How much time do you spend thinking about forgiveness? And then are you putting it into practice? When you understand that when the Lord commands us to forgive, he does so fully understanding what he is talking about and what he is asking us to do. We're very good at holding grudges and hating people for what they've done to us or to our families or to someone close to us. It even happens in the church where we hate or hold a grudge against a brother or sister who has hurt us or wronged us. As leaders, we hold grudges against people in the congregation or the people in the congregation hold grudges against the leaders. And this is not good for us or for our relationship with the Lord or for our relationship with other people. It causes us to put up walls around us to protect ourselves. And with these walls all around us, it becomes very hard to let anyone else in behind that wall, just in case they may also hurt us. If we ever look at prayer that is so well known, the Lord's Prayer, and it's when the disciples came and they asked Jesus to teach him how to pray. And we found this prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 5 to 8 and then verses 12 to 15. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I believe that just like this verse 5 starts off saying, Don't be hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they can be seen and heard by others. And when it comes to someone having done us wrong, we want the world to know what that person has done to us. We tell our sad story to anyone who will listen to us. We'll even steer the congregation in the direction, uh, sorry, the conversation in the direction so that we can bring our situa that we can bring up our situation. 
so that we can tell everyone how we have been wronged. What this does is when we want to forgive, now the situation is blown out of proportion and it makes the process of forgiveness even harder. I want to say to you, instead of telling the world about your problem, go to Jesus instead. Tell him about it and let him help you in dealing with it. Don't advertise it to everyone. Then carrying on in Matthew chapter 6, dropping down to verse 12, and it says, And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's easy to pray these words, but to actually really mean them is something entirely different. What goes on in our heads and our hearts doesn't line up with the Word of God. Our first reaction when we hear the Scripture verses, I can't forgive that person for what they've done to me. Or did you hear what they've said about me? And the argument goes on inside of our minds. And we say, Lord, you understand. I'm fully entitled to feel this way and to hold on to this unforgiveness. You can't possibly expect me to forgive them for what they've done to me. I'm in the right here. They must come and beg me for forgiveness. And when they do, I'm going to make them pay for what they did to me. We try and justify why we can't forgive them. We want to hold on to it so that we can rub salt into their wounds. I want them to experience what I went through. And then I want them to experience far worse. That'll teach them never to do it again. And so when we take this kind of attitude, we bring death and destruction to our relationship with the Lord. Because like we read in verse 14 and 15, it shows us that if we are not willing to forgive others, that our Heavenly Father won't forgive us our trespasses. This is a scary place to be in because not forgiving will hinder the Word of God and the work of God in your life. And you will slowly start to die in this area of your life. What does verse 15 mean? Does it mean that if I don't forgive someone, um, that my sins are not forgiven and that I'm going to go to hell because of it? Not at all. So what does it mean? Let me use John chapter 13 to explain to you what this means. And this is the story of where Jesus comes and he washes his disciples' feet. So John chapter 13, reading from verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from, the, from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now. But afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. 
Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. And so Jesus tells Simon Peter that a person who has bathed does not need to wash his whole body again, just his feet, which have become dirty from the dust. And once you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you are clean, you are saved. But the dirt from the road of life comes and clings to our feet. And so they need to be cleaned. The trap of sin that we fall into causes us to become dirty. This does not mean that we have now lost our salvation. What it does mean is that our not forgiving someone who has wronged us makes us dirty and that area of our life needs to be cleaned up so that it can produce fruit and bring life and not death. Forgiveness is something that has to be practiced every day, not just when it suits you. It has to become part of your lifestyle, part of who you are in Christ. We have to be honest with ourselves and recognize the truth. Romans 3 verse 23 tells us, We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Jesus took the punishment that each of us deserved. Although Jesus has the, had the right to demand unquestioning obedience, he left the glory of heaven and came to live on earth to show us and to teach us what humble obedience looks like. If anyone had the right to hold the grudge and unforgiveness in their heart, it would have been Jesus. What do I mean by this? And I'd like to use Isaiah 53, reading from verse 3 just to give us a picture of what Jesus went through. Isaiah 53, reading from verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep, sorry, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. And this just gives us a small glimpse of what Jesus had to go through 
and how he could have justified himself for not forgiving us. But he practiced what he preached and forgave us all of our sins. And not only did he forgive us, but he loved us. And what's so amazing for me to hear is what Jesus had to say just before he gave up his spirit on the cross, which is found in Luke 23, verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even with everything that Jesus has gone through, he could still ask Father God to forgive them, for they did not know what they had done to him. It's easy to feel negative towards any number of people in the course of a day. The guy who cuts us off in traffic, the overworked cashier who shortchanges us, or doesn't smile at you, the friend who forgets your birthday, or who just walks right past you without saying hello, the teacher or the manager who moans at you for something that you did or did not do. But do we realize Sorry, do we release our feelings of hostility, judgment and hurt, or do we hold on to them with both hands? Do we take the time to pray for other people, or do we hold our grievances against them? If we have the opportunity, do we smile at them and offer a kind word, or do we grumble and complain? And I want to say here that when we start praying for those who've done us wrong, it changes our heart. And so I want to encourage you, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for them, that God will bless them and it will change your heart. To lead ourselves in this area of forgiveness, we must get into the habit of extending forgiveness. And here I want to say, start with the little things. If we are going to learn to forgive those who wrong us in more serious ways, we need to start by learning to forgive for the small things. And forgiveness is vital in the life of a Christian. If we focus on what the Lord has done for us and on serving him and those he brings into our life, it will be easier to forgive. Forgiveness is giving up the emotional need that we have to punish someone who has mistreated us. Forgiving isn't easy, but you will never have peace of mind until you do it. I'm going to look at another story out of the Bible on forgiveness. And it's found in Matthew 18. We're going to read from verse 21 to 35. And it's the parable of the unforgiven debtor. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sinned against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of rings. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned. 
to pay the debts. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand rand. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So Jesus tells us the story of the man who owed a king a great amount of money and how the man begged the king for leniency. And the king, out of the goodness of his heart, forgave the man's debt. And this is what Jesus did for us. He paid in full the penalty for our sins. He wrote off our debt. But this man then in turn found someone who owed him a small debt. The second man also begged for extra time. But the forgiven man throws him into prison. And when the king finds out what the man has done, he punishes the man. And he says to him, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And Jesus goes on to say, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sister from your heart. When you refuse to forgive, you not only become bitter and twisted and angry inside, you damage your ability to respond to God's forgiveness. And the lesson we can learn from the story is that because God showed us mercy, we in turn should show others mercy. And if we believe that God's word is true, then we have to believe that he knows what is best for us. And that is the reason that Jesus tells us to forgive, because he knows our unforgiveness will mess us up inside. There was a, there's a story that I'd like to tell you, and I'm sure many of you have heard it, but I'm going to tell it again. It's the story of Corrie ten Boon. Um, her and her sister Betsy were Jewish prisoners of war who were locked up in a concentration camp during the Second World War. And Betsy ended up dying in the concentration camp, and Corrie made it out. And they both loved the Lord, and... Uh, Corrie went around the world preaching, and one day while she was preaching in Berlin, um, after she'd finished preaching, this man came up to her and said, I'm so glad to see you. Do you know me? And suddenly she saw 
that man who was the most cruel overseer, one of the guards in the concentration camp, the man said that he had now come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he said he's been reading his Bible and he knows that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world and also for his sins. And he said, I've asked God to forgive me and to give me his grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very, my very victims for forgiveness. And Fraulein Ten Boom, will you forgive me? And inside she said to herself, I can't. She remembered the suffering of her dying sister through him. But when she saw that she could not forgive, suddenly she realized that she had no forgiveness inside of her. And Jesus said that when you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And inside of her she said she was not able, that she could not. All that she could do was hating. And then she remembered one of the beautiful texts out of Romans 5, verse 5, that says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. After this, she said thank you to Jesus that he had brought into her life the love of God through the Holy Spirit and that the love of God is stronger than her hatred and unforgiveness. At that moment, she was free and she could shake hands with the man. And she said that as she shook hands with that man, she felt the love of God flow through her. God wants us to love our enemies. Can you forgive in your own ability? No, you can't. But he can. The source of our strength is Jesus Christ himself. Whatever has wounded you or hurt you needs healing. There is, dif there is a difference between being wounded and scars. It's okay to have scars, but to have a wound is not good for you. It can become infected, inflamed, and if left untreated for long enough, it will start to fester and it will have to be cut out. And in the worst case, it can cause your death. Those things that have wounded you, you do not have to hold on to them forever. It's time to be free of them. It's time to let them go and forgive not for that person's sake, but for your own sake. And forgiveness doesn't mean it didn't happen. The scars are there to show that it did happen. Forgiveness is not denial as to what happened, but forgiveness sets us free. And many times the hardest person you'll ever have to forgive is yourself. Learn to forgive yourself. Forgiveness also doesn't mean it will stop hurting. The memory is there. It doesn't mean that the pain will go away straight away. But you forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It takes faith to believe and to step out and to do. And as you do this, God will give you his strength to be able to do it. Just like he did with Corrie ten Boom. God will give you his strength to be able to do it. 
But if you try and do it in your own strength, you are going to fail. Forgiveness is you being obedient to God's command. And in doing this, you release yourself from the hold that it has over you. And you can walk in freedom. Church, God does not want us to be bound up. God wants us to be free. And unforgiveness will bind you up and it will destroy your life. Ask God to help you in this area of forgiveness so that you can be set free. Can we pray together? Father, we see that your word says that we need to forgive. And Father, it is hard for us to forgive because we want that other person to feel the pain that we've gone through. But Father, we want to be obedient to what your word says. We are an obedient people. And so Lord, I pray that you help us in this area. That where people have hurt us, that we will be able to forgive them. So that we ourselves can be set free from this burden that you do not want us to carry. So Father, I pray that in this area, in our lives and in leading ourselves, that we will be victorious. And that Father, we will be able to forgive quickly and not hold on to grudges, not have unforgiveness in our hearts. I thank you that you will help us to walk in victory in this area. Father, I pray your blessing upon these wonderful people. I pray that you go with them and that they will have an awesome week as they walk in the victory that you have purchased for them on the cross. I thank you for this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen. May God bless you and have an awesome week. And we'll see you again next week. Amen.